and that includes a lot of other names on that list. But Kyle Pitts has more talent than any tight end in football outside of maybe Travis Kelsey. What are we doing? Why are we not using him? Why is he blocking? Yeah. He was an elite receiving tight end in college. The Gators literally had him as their first option. Treat him like that or trade him. Please. That's all I'm going to say. And now I'm going to take the jersey off. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Pitts, you know, seeing him in – and I got the game story up. You can all – Go and read the game story about the Jacksonville Jaguars win over the Atlanta Falcons. Pardon me, uh, 23-7 overseas in their first of two London games. They will face off against the Buffalo Bills coming up this week in London town. So, yeah, I mean. By the way, though. Go ahead. Falcons, sweet jerseys. Yeah, no, they. these jerseys are pretty sweet. This is the one with like the red that blends down into black with the, like the dots and everything. Yeah, the jersey's sweet. No, I yeah. The Falcons. The Falcons do have nice jerseys. The Falcons have had some pretty awesome players, but yeah, Kyle Pitts is that guy that you know every season in fantasy football. There's the lore of drafting him because he's Kyle Pitts, but then there's the other side of drafting him, which is what you brought up that the Falcons don't use him enough. And when I was writing my game story yesterday, uh, following the Jaguars victory over Atlanta, he was at the bottom of the two catches for 21 yards. And that was it. No, no touchdown. The lone touchdown went to Drake London. And so, I mean, that to me, writing two catches, 21 yards, that's not something that you expect out of Kyle Pitts. You anticipate out of Kyle Pitts. And when you look back on it, you have to look at, okay, how many times was he targeted? How many times did Desmond Ritter four. truly look for him? Yeah, you know, because Jacksonville's defense, and I'm going to give him credit for this, Jacksonville's defense is good. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty darn good. And when they – when It's they're, not just Jacksonville, though. They do I it know. against every freaking team. I know, and, that's, and that's, that's what I was going to get to is the fact that, you know, Jacksonville's defense is good, and it's better than a lot of people give them credit for. And I will say that, and I want that to be heard. At the same time, you know, Murph's got a big point here that it doesn't really matter what defense they play. Kyle Pitts is a relative non-factor a lot of the times, and you wonder why, with him being so talented, why are they not going to him? Why are they not, uh, you know, utilizing him? Because you would imagine him with Drake London back and forth would be a good thing. Now, they did use Johnny Smith, and Johnny Smith, who they brought in, former Titan, then Patriot, Jonu Smith was the leading receiver for the Falcons yesterday. That's what I'm going to quote Peter Griffin here. You know what really grinds my gears? (laughs) Kyle Pitts is not even the most targeted tight end on the team. And yes, this is a shot at the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff, ownership, and Desmond Ritter. Front office, everything. Yeah. Throw the ball to Kyle Pitts if you want to have a chance to win football games. I know they started 2-0, and but I believe they've lost their last two, correct? Yeah. I haven't looked. Yeah. So they're 2-2 two and two now. I think we've all figured out that Desmond Ritter's not that good. He's okay. He's been okay, but he's not that good. He's not him. 
So Kyle Pitts is him. Just get him the ball. I would gladly welcome him to New York. I know it'll never happen, but I would gladly welcome him to New York. Take anybody. Send him to, I don't know, the Chargers or hmm, I'm trying to think of who else is good that doesn't really have a tight end. There, I'm not going to say the Raiders because Raiders aren't good. There's a bunch of teams out there that Miami don't have Miami tight has ends. Miami tight end. Who's Miami's tight end? Miami has Durham. Because Kasiki's not there anymore. No, they have Durham. I don't, know, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could send him to Miami. You could send him to, I mean, pretty much the majority of the NFL. You could send him to Dallas. I, t- I tell you what, if you send him to Miami, that makes that offense even scarier. Well, and the With thing Tua, is. Throwing yeah. it to Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Jalen Waddle. And Kyle Pitts. Speed. And, and the thing is. is Kyle Pitts is fast for a big guy. Well, and the thing about Kyle Pitts, and they said it yesterday, and it's the same thing with Aronde Gadsden the second at Syracuse in college, is that you call him a tight end, but not because he's a tight end, just so you can get another receiver on the field, because that man's a wide receiver. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. You know. I, I digress. It's, I think it's enough of you know trashing the, the Falcons, <laughs> but I just needed to do that because I've been getting sick and tired of seeing – yeah, four or five points from Kyle Pitts in fantasy, and it's not his fault. They're just not yeah. throwing him the ball. Brendan's like an R and B song today. He's sick and tired of being sick and tired. So, I mean, and listen, we understand, and I totally get it. And you're right in the way that you feel. At the same time, shout out Jaguars out of Victory Monday. So, yeah, you and know, this bad boy. Because y'all remember when I got this, the Kyle Pitts helmet. I want it to be worth more. Not that I'm ever going to sell it, but I want it to be worth more because he's going to play better. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if they use him. We'll see if it happens. But ultimately, uh, to start off things here with baseball, coming off of our conversation that we are having this morning about the world of sports cards and all that good stuff and Kyle Pitts and sports memorabilia and Pitts not being utilized that much. Let's go into the Major League baseball playoff world we have been set folks we know who is going to be where now we have the major league baseball playoff bracket murph and i are going to actually be putting this together and unveiling them to you on my social media so we'll talk about it today but we're going to physically be filling out this bracket and putting it out to you so a lot of good stuff that's going on here Looking at this uh, as we started off here inside of the playoff bracket world, we have in the American League, which starts tomorrow, October 3rd, the Orioles and the Astros have buys, the Astros uh, being the second seed here. Let me make sure that this is all set up here correctly. Yes. Okay. So the the Astros being the second seed, which is crazy but as we told you how things were going to shake out here houston and texas had to figure out who was going to win the division if they were even going to get into that they they were in a position with the final week of baseball going on that they could win the division or be the wild card team or not even make the playoffs 
while Houston became the number two seed, so they will be off. The Orioles will be off as well, automatically advancing to the divisional round. The Blue Jays are the sixth seed. They will play the three-seeded Twins in a three-game series. The third game, if necessary, would happen on Thursday. We have a game on Tuesday and on Wednesday at weird times, 4.38 p.m. Eastern time. Oh, yeah. The Rangers at the Rays, the Rangers a five seed, the Rays a four seed. These games are going to be played in later afternoon. There was a concern they might have been played early. They're not going to be played early. They're going to be played at 3.08 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. The game three, if necessary, will be on Thursday. On the other side of it for the National League wildcard series, the Braves are the number one seed. The Dodgers are the number two seed. Dodgers being where we thought they would eventually be albeit the D-backs did give them a good run this season early on in the season, leaving the division of the NL West. The Diamondbacks, the sixth seed, will be on the road at Milwaukee going up against the Brewers, who are the three seed. Those games will be at nighttime on ESPN2 at 7.08 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm just happy I can watch my Diamondbacks play. And the Marlins, the number five seed, will be at the Phillies' four seed starting on Tuesday and Wednesday at 8.08 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. Game 3, if necessary, will also be on Thursday. So that is where we are. We have games starting tomorrow, and they will run us Tuesday and Wednesday. You'll be able to see all these games on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2. So most of you will be able to watch these games, which is how it should be. And my question to you, Murph, is who is the biggest surprise or biggest surprise is they got into the postseason. I think you got to start with the biggest surprise that did not make the postseason. That's the Seattle Mariners. We talked about this last week that the Mariners were in control of their own destiny. Yep. They had three against Houston and four against the Rangers. Yep. And they lost two out of three to Houston. And I believe they lost. I think they split with uh, with the Rangers. They basically shot themselves in the foot. That team had the tools to make a deep postseason run. They did. They really did. So if I was them, I would have wanted to really get, you know, get into the postseason because I think they would have ended up, I think they legitimately still could have won the division, literally. And now they're not even in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, But to answer the question, I think the biggest surprise team to make the playoffs has to be the Miami Marlins. And I'm thrilled they made the playoffs. I'm I'm excited to see them in the playoffs. They drew the Phillies, which is not a good matchup. I mean neither then again neither would have the neither would the Brewers be, but you know, that's besides the point. But you know, the Marlins all year have been carried by their pitching and by their defense. They went and got some bats at the deadline. They picked up Jake Berger at the deadline to increase their to get them a little bit more power in the middle of the lineup. Solaire's been good. He was hurt briefly near the end of the year, but he's back now. Luis Arise became the first player in Major League history to lead both leagues and to be the batting champion of both leagues in back-to-back years, which, shout out to him, that was awfully impressive. There were rumblings that he could hit 400 for a while. I didn't see his final batting average for the year, but I imagine it was close to 350. And they were carried by their pitching, and they're doing it without Sandy Alcantara reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, which is awfully impressive. They're, the Marlins have really developed pitching well. Yeah. 
and that is the main reason why they're going to be in the postseason. 84 wins, pretty uh, surprising that they're going to be in there with 84 wins, but, you know, that's okay. They drew the Phillies. I don't – and we'll get into this in a minute as we actually fill out the bracket, but that's a really tough draw in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, again, you know, with the Miami Marlins getting to where they got to, they did enough. They did what they needed to do down the stretch, and there was other teams that faltered. And granted, the Diamondbacks helped them out a bit with, you know, taking down the Reds and the Cubs, and that definitely opened a, a door for Miami and for Arizona. You know, and Arizona was in control of their destiny. They were in the second wild card of the National League. They had the opportunity to become that second wild card team, stay there. But all they had to do, and this is the thing that's so tough. And when I saw the post about it, it was it just kind of makes you it makes you think like, okay, now I feel like it's not going to happen. When they say things like, "It's all right in front of us. All we have to do is win. That's all that needs to happen." And you're like, yeah. It is. And and sometimes when something's right in front of your face, you don't see it or you don't get it. They knew yeah, what was <laughs> Yeah. So you knew what was there. And yeah, we talked about you brought it up. We talked about the Seattle Mariners, the fact that Seattle was right there. They were in control of their destiny. They literally had two series left against the two teams ahead of them. It was beat the Astros, beat the Rangers. All of the games were at home. You got seven games, three-game series against the Astros, four-game series against the Rangers. If you handle business, you win the division. If you handle most of the business, you get in the playoffs. So it was win the division or at least get a wild card. They got nothing. Now, the Arizona Diamondbacks were in a better place. It was, hey, you guys don't have to do much. You've done almost enough. Just win a couple more, a few more of these games handle your business and get in. And that's what they did. But down the stretch, they got some help from other teams getting big time victories that knocked some other teams out of contention completely, which left the Arizona Diamondbacks at the sixth seed because they needed to win those last couple games to differentiate themselves from the Marlins. However, I'm going to tell you something. I'm kind of okay with Arizona being the sixth because I think it's a better matchup for them to play Milwaukee than it is to play Philly. I feel better about it. So that's why I'm okay this morning. Do I want you to fight to be the highest you could be? Absolutely. But do I feel like the Phillies could catch fire here right now? A little bit. I'm kind of feeling like the Phillies are facing the Braves no matter what. So in the respect of the series itself, I feel better for Arizona to have Milwaukee than I feel for Arizona to have Philly this morning. We'll see how I feel as the series goes on, though. So here's the thing about that. I know Milwaukee's a better draw than the Phillies, but they're a really good team in a short series. You're going to be facing Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. Who are you rolling out there? Zach Cowan in game one, sure. Yeah. But Brandon Fott? I don't know. Like, 
the the Brewers have the clear advantage over anybody in a short series pitching wise. When you've got those three guys who could legitimately be number ones on any other team, it's going to be tough to beat. So I don't want to give too much of a sneak preview as to who I'm going to pick, but I hate doing this to you, but I don't think the Diamondbacks have much of a chance. I, I legitimately think it could be over in two games. And I'm sorry to say that, but that's just where my head's at. Well, I know that this is a team that's done some really awesome things and beat some really awesome teams, speaking of Arizona. They've also done that thing where they have lost to teams that they should have beat. They've lost to the Yankees down the stretch. They've lost to the Mets down the stretch. They've lost to teams that they should not be losing to. And then also beating teams that are playoff teams, that are leading their divisions, that are strong. So the Diamondbacks have shown me they can play with the best of them, but they also can struggle against the not-so-great teams. My biggest surprise getting into the playoffs are my Arizona Diamondbacks because I was concerned about that half a season where you play pretty good and then they would dip off. So my my biggest surprise is going to be Arizona and Miami, but Arizona in the sense of they started off doing some good things. They got to a place where they were leading the division. They got to the place where they were leading the, the division by a bunch of games. And it was, and everybody's like, well, the Dodgers, it's going to be the Dodgers. Everybody knows the Dodgers, Dan, the Dodgers, the Dodgers will come back. The Dodgers will find a way. And they did, but Arizona didn't get the credit for what they did to jockey back and forth. And then they fell to third behind the San Francisco Giants. And then they came back up. So this has been a team that has fought their way up. I don't like how we kind of backed into the playoffs, losing a couple games, but hopefully this is the turnaround. This is what they need. They have the momentum. They have the fan base. They have the support. They have the love. I know they're on the road, but I'm hoping that a lot of you Arizona fans are getting your butt up to a little bit colder of a tundra and going to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to show your support. I have a hashtag that I started. It is my hashtag. If the Diamondbacks decide to use it, all I ask is for some royalty in this. But my hashtag is snake bitten. And every game they win, snake bitten is going to be out there. That is going to be the thing that I utilize. They are a surprise to me because I felt really good about them. Then I felt pretty good, but concerned. I never felt like, okay, this team is awful. There was a time where I thought they might be out of it. But the fact that they played themselves a complete season, and at the beginning of the season, I was asked over under of them having, what, 67 and a half wins or 69 wins. And I said, and I quote, not only do I believe they'll get more wins than that, but I believe that the Arizona Diamondbacks can finish the season, regular season, with 90 wins. That is what I said at the beginning of the season. They got to 84. So I am very proud of the fact that not only did they back me up, that I took the over on the 60-whatever wins, but that I said they... 74, but they, they shattered that. Yeah. I know we, we got asked the question, though. It was like 69 and a half. What do we think? And I took the over. I said 90. I said, don't be surprised if they're a 90-win team at the end of all of this. And they're an 84-win team. They are a playoff they team. Close. They did they get did. close. So they made me feel very good about my prediction. But all of that now leads into 
what do they do from here? The Miami Marlins, they surprised me as well. Miami's one of those teams, a.k.a. the Florida Marlins of old, uh, one of those teams that was at the bottom of the barrel, right? Won a World Series, and people were like, how the heck did they do that? They were so bad. But Twice. Yeah. And the they, thing after the so there's actually a really interesting story after the uh, after they won the World Series in '97, the ownership stripped down the team, you know, with you know getting for trade for some prospects and everything, and they kind of won in 2003 by accident. They that team wasn't necessarily designed to win, yeah. So they they kind of walked, you know, stumbled into that. So it's actually a really interesting story. I think um, I don't remember where it is on YouTube, but just look up like how the Marlins won the 2003 World Series or something like that. Uh, I don't remember exactly which video it is, but there were a couple really interesting videos about that. That I think is a really interesting watch to really see how they took the '97 team apart and built the 2003 team that ended up winning the World Series. Just by pure chance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is when you look back on the Marlins of being a team that finds a way to win, but that nobody expected, right? Bottom of the barrel, they rise up bottom of the barrel. They rise up a team that they continuously throughout history has had moments where they have risen up to a place where not a lot of people anticipated that they would be. The Miami Marlins have, been at the bottom of the NL East more often than not. And the the Nationals decided to take that place from them this year. And the Miami Marlins were able to get to where they needed to get to. The Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds had opportunities, plenty of opportunities. 83 wins for the Cubs, 82 wins for the Reds. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they had opportunities as well. They started off hot. People wondered if they were going to stay with it. San Diego Padres, one of the most expensive payrolls in baseball, they get to 82 and 80 and they don't make the playoffs. The San Francisco Giants end with a losing record. So credit the Miami Marlins for the way that they played and what that they what they did to get to where they are. They didn't have to play that extra or that they didn't have to make up a game. So they finished the season 84 and 77. But to see them be where they are and to do what they've done, and because they didn't have to make up that game, they have that little edge, that that like half a game or whatever above well, the Arizona Diamondbacks. The tiebreaker over the Diamondbacks right. anyway, so that's the reason why they didn't make it. Yeah, and that was, and, and to the thing, I mean, when you look at this here, if the Diamondbacks had won and were in a better position, had 85 wins, and then were to force it this. It would have forced that game. Yeah, but that game not happening because they lost their last couple, the Arizona Diamondbacks did being put in this position where their records are almost exactly the same, but one's going to be a five seed, one's going to be a six. The teams that did not surprise us getting into the playoffs, Murph, who do you have for that? As far as where they are, maybe where they're seated, the ones that you're not surprised at all. I mean, the, the obvious one is the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. I mean, they came into this year – now, obviously, as you know, I was saying before the year that all oh, like the Mets are it's it's the Mets and the Braves, the Mets and the Braves. I didn't necessarily think the Mets would definitely win the division. I thought there was a good chance they could win the division. The Braves very quickly extinguished that thought. They went they took like a ten game lead on the Mets by like June, and that was basically all she wrote. Um, with all the injuries the Mets were dealing with, but. 
that team legitimately might be better than the team that won the World Series in 2021. What the Atlanta Braves do to build their organization through draft and develop, international signings, and then they keep these guys on team-friendly long-term deals. Like Acuna's on like an eight-year, $180 million contract. Yeah. Ozzy Albies has like a seven-year, $100 million contract. The only one that's getting big, big money on that team is, is Matt Olson. And it's only because he's not a homegrown talent. They traded for him. It's like eight for like two and change or something like that, 250 maybe. I don't remember exactly the terms of his deal. But I would imagine they're going to try and lock up Spencer Strider sometime soon. <clears throat> They've locked up all of these good players. So that core is not going anywhere. That team is really good, and they're going to be really good for a long time. And it kills me to say that because, as a Mets fan, I hate the Atlanta Braves with a burning passion. As a kid, and any Mets fan that's my age should know, as a kid, the Braves ran the NL East. They ran it. For the record, we were talking about this before, with the Marlins two World Series, the Marlins have never won the NL East. Not once. Ever. And they have two World Series. And only four playoff appearances. So, that's a that's an interesting uh, stat for your bingo cards there. Um, but the Braves ran the, the NL East from, I think it was 1995. No. Maybe like 1991 or 1992, all the way through 2005, they won the division every single year. Every year. It's kind of like what the Dodgers are doing with the NL West right now. And then obviously 2006 rolls around. That Mets team comes out there and is really good and knocks the Braves out of the, you know, out of the division. Finally. And then the Phillies win the division a couple of times and then it's the Braves again. So they've kind of dominated the division again in, in recent years, but you know, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what happens with that. But it, it, the answer is obviously the Braves, but the one other surprise that I didn't, I didn't mention before. Yeah. Simply, simply based on seating. I yeah. had a feeling they could make the playoffs. I did not think they'd be the number one overall seed in the American league, Baltimore Orioles. And the crazy thing is that team's ahead of schedule. They may not win the World Series this year. I mean, they still they could. Who knows? But they may not win the World Series this year. But that team, for a long time, is going to be really good. They have drafted incredibly well. Now, granted, all of their draft picks that they've developed, for the most part, are high first-round picks. You know, Gunnar Henderson, uh, Adley Rutschman. Jackson Holiday, even though he's not up yet. That team is going to be really good for a long time. They just need to get some arms. If they falter, it's going to be their pitching staff that does it. Yeah. So, do I think they could make the World Series? Yes. But I think it's going to be tough for them because they don't have the arms that are built for the postseason. I really don't think they do. So I think if they don't make if they don't make or win the World Series this year, I think what they have to go out and do is sign up a couple of pitchers. They don't need, you know, like a super ace. Like they don't need to go sign, you know, Yoshinobu Yamamoto from Japan, although it be it would help it would help be very helpful for them. But go get like an Aaron Nola who's pitched in the postseason multiple times. Go get 
I'm trying to think of some other guys that are free agents. Like a Marcus Stroman, that's probably going to be a free agent. Guys like that, you know, who aren't like aces, but are very good pitchers. Yeah, you know, and I, I think I think when we look at and and that was another one that I was wanting to talk about is the fact that the Baltimore Orioles are the number one seed. You know, the fact that they came up, did what they needed to do. The Tampa Bay Rays came out striking. They did so many amazing things like they have been doing over many years now with different guys coming in and out. And the Rays continue to be uh, that team that's a pain in the tush to play and to say the least. And the Baltimore Orioles doing everything that they did this season to be where they are right now, to take hold of it, to beat the Rays head-to-head, and then to find their way to rise up the ranks and stay at number one overall uh, above the Astros, above the Rangers, above anybody out there is is uh, another surprise. And we'll see what they do with it because the Baltimore Orioles, the way that they have been playing and everything that they've been doing and how this team has really shown up all season long, where in the past they would show up striking really, really early on, and then they'd fade to the not not out of the playoffs. They would be at the bottom of the AL East. They would come out as a team that could win 10 games quicker, 15 games quick, and then all of a sudden in a 162-game season, they would finish with a losing record, an abysmal record, and they would be five out of five in the AL East. So, you know, I think the anticipation and the hype is that they'll make it to the World Series, but they got to run a gamut here. They got to beat the likes of the the Rays or the Rangers in their first series. Then if they get past that series, are they seeing the Astros? Who are they seeing from there? So, you know, this is going to be definitely a good one. I think my non-surprise where, you know, I thought they would be, I thought the Braves would be in the postseason after winning two years ago in 2022. I'm not surprised that the Dodgers are in the top two. So those are non-surprises to me. The Astros are a non-surprise to me to be in the top two of the American League. So, like, the usual suspects are there. But the Baltimore Orioles, like, infiltrated that usual suspect top four of recent history, which I'm really excited about. And, you know, I would say that really nothing else is as surprised. I'm a little surprised with Tampa in the fact that they didn't challenge maybe a little I mean they did it they did an incredible effort but the fact that that they stayed behind uh, the or the uh, Orioles here by a couple games they got to 99 wins Orioles got to 101 so what I will say is incredible is Wander Franco not being a part of the team and and Tampa Bay still got to 99 still got to 99 wins still got in the postseason Still did more than enough. Bats were still alive. The team stayed together. The clubhouse stayed together. They found a way to win. I think the story that may not be being talked about enough is that Tampa lost one of their great, amazing, incredible young stars of 22 years old and are still just two games away from not only winning their division, a few games, well, I should say more than two games away because they had to head. But a couple games away, plus they could have been at the top of this whole thing as the number one seed. They weren't far off from being there. So there's a lot to be said about the Tampa Bay Rays doing everything that they've done to get into this postseason and just shy of 100 wins. And they did it without Wander Franco for many of these games. 
and they did not seem to lose. Yeah, yeah, they didn't seem to miss a beat. So I... Because the the Rays develop players so well. But there's so much credit to that team. I mean, there's so much credit to that team, that culture, that environment, that system, that when, when somebody goes out for whatever reason, injury, suspension, this, that, and the third, trade, goes somewhere else, gets more money as a free agent. Tampa Bay continues to stay relevant. And this Tampa Bay team, in my opinion, is a sleeping giant because people want to pick the Rangers and they want to say the Orioles. But I'm going to tell you right now, Tampa Bay is one of those teams that could find their way into the World Series. I do believe that. And I feel like because they're the four seed and because they're playing in the wild card, people want to kind of write it off a little bit. But Tampa Bay is one heck of a team that went through something nobody else went through this season, which is losing someone to a very unique situation and finding a way to continue to win. Yeah, and we still don't know for sure if that story is true, but the more that comes out about it, the more I'm starting to believe that it's true. If it is true, he'll never play baseball again. No. No, and he shouldn't. Realistically, Marcelo Zuna shouldn't be playing baseball anymore with what he's done. There are certain guys that should have no business being in Major League Baseball again. Yeah. Have the privilege to play on the biggest stage with doing things like that. I mean, that's that those two guys are just scumbags. If that's if that's true with Wander Franco, that he is just an absolute scumbag. He should go to prison in the Dominican Republic. He should, if that's the case. But I'm not gonna pass judgment yet because we don't know for sure if it's true. Yeah. Um but like I said, if it is, throw him in jail and lock him in jail and throw his judgment. Yet, yeah, and I and I think that it's listen, you're you're guilty until proven innocent. At least that's how it should be. And if if any of it comes out, yeah, and most of the time it's the other way around, especially for men in 2023. But and I'm not saying this in defense of Wander. I'm saying not every man is guilty of what is said about oh, them. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes when this, when this stuff gets, you know, put out in public, people automatically think what they think because of the society that we live in that loves to point fingers and judge. But if Wander Franco is, is, if he is guilty, then I don't know any, I don't know many things that sound worse than going to jail, dot, dot, dot. In the Dominican Republic, so I, yeah. I I don't I don't feel like you know no matter what happens, their legal system's like, but it's probably right. more scary than it is here. Right, and the thing about it too is you know athletes and entertainers get treated differently. We get put in this place where it's like, hey, you're an athlete. If we find you guilty of an actual real world crime, you can't play anymore. But you might not have to go to jail. And it's like, no, if you commit a crime, you go to jail. That should be number one. It shouldn't be like, well, should he play baseball again? No, he should be in jail. So, and there's other people that should be in jail as well for crimes that were committed and over different things. And there's been really unique situations. Deshaun Watson, everything that came up with that. Think of Jamal Lewis, when they found the cocaine and they said to him, you don't have to go to jail. Well, this this how it was. John Moran. They're like, we found you for cocaine. 
finish your season, make sure you don't make the playoffs, then come to jail in the off season and we'll get you out of jail by training camp. I don't know who has that rule besides like El Chapo or like Fidel Castro <laughs> or something like that. But, uh, but it worked out for Jabal Lewis back in the day. You know, Ray Lewis was in some dicey things that never really materialized. I mean, there's, there's, and again, there's a. Ju- I mean, was it Snoop Dogg on death row at one point? Potentially, I, I, I mean, it's. Uh, I don't even know if Snoop Dogg, honestly. I know he was accused of murder. I thought I thought I read something that he was on death row at one point and then was proven innocent. Well, he now owns death row records, <laughs> so. <laughs> Let's let let's see if it's uh, let's see here Snoop Dogg. I don't. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we reveal the truth. It finally got released from him. Oh no, not that. Yeah, the funny thing about Death Row Records is is when you look up Snoop Death Row, that's all you get. So, yeah. So I'm not sure. Let's see here. If Snoop Dogg, this is what we're doing on a Monday morning. We're looking up if Snoop Dogg was ever on death row for murder. So on the 1993 murder charge, a charge with first degree murder. Let's let's go ahead and look at this here. So, so yeah, so he was charged with first degree murder after a member of a rival gang was shot and killed by Snoop's bodyguard, McKinley Lee, uh, who fired the shot. Well, he was in the 21-year-old rapper's vehicle, meaning Snoop Dogg. So, let's see here. Da, 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 da. What happened next would go beyond the basis of Snoop's 1995 trial. We're looking at this right now. I could be wrong, because I can't find anything either. Uh, Snoop's friend, who was also at the scene, held the gun. And if that was enough to aid Snoop in beating his case... So yeah, there was different thing in the police department's negligence in this as well. So yeah, Snoop was involved in what was considered first degree murder, but nothing came of it for those of you that wanted yeah. to know this morning in pop culture today. So, but <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, the reality of what we're talking about here is that athletes and entertainers are treated differently and they might commit a crime that might affect them from playing the game they love or being in this movie or this, that, and whatever, but maybe they don't go to jail. So guilty until proven innocent is something that I think we need to remember, folks, and let's see what happens and how this plays out. All these things that we've heard over the years and seen over the years, and even with Mel Tucker and Michigan State, you want to hope that this stuff is not true. Because if it is, it's a horror. It's a horrific thing in a lot of cases, and I just hope for the safety, security, peace, and health of of anybody involved in whatever has gone on out there in this crazy world that we live in. Major League Baseball, though, to look at this postseason, Murph and I will reveal our brackets. Wait for it. Right after this. <laughs> Hi, this is Amy from Mother's Cupboard, home of the whole frittata. We are open daily, 6 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. For takeout orders, call 315-432-0942. And tune in to Wake Up Call with...
Dan Tortora for our monthly food challenge and try our wake-up call signature menu item available seven days a week. Here at Mother's Cupboard, we are Central New York, and it's our honor to serve you. Ma and Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory remind us that every day is worth celebrating. Find them at 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. Open Monday through Saturday in-store and all the time online at maandpazpopcorn.com. Serving our Central New York community and beyond, you can order all throughout the country at maandpazpopcorn.com. And remember to get your tins, which have in-store half-price refills forever. Ma and Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory available to you for fundraising and all of your events by calling 315-450-6272. That's 315-450-6272. Ma and Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory. How corny are you? This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Virgin Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. We kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, and we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than the good customer service. And so. I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have at any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Welcome back here to Wake of Call with Dan Tortora, inside of where sports truly meets that thing called life. We appreciate you being here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. I'm hanging out with Murph as we always start off the week that way. We had a question that came in and it was something I was going to ask Murph about anyways when I saw the news uh, come up yesterday. And so definitely wanted to get uh, your thoughts being a Mets fan, but knowing that a Buck Showalter will not be back as the Mets manager, the question that came in is who should be the Mets manager? So two-part question, Murph. How do you feel about Buck parting ways with the Mets? And who do you think should take the place? It's sad. I mean, I love Buck. I think Buck, Buck did everything he could to, you know, help put a winning team on the field. You know, this year it was kind of out of his control. It wasn't exactly his fault. There were injuries. There were poor, poor play. You know, you can't really necessarily get on the manager for poor play. It's, it's not like he was making bad decisions. I mean, yeah, he was trotting Daniel Vogel back out there every other every day, but. I don't think that was his call. I think that was management's call uh, to throw Daniel Vogel back out there at, at DH. But 
realistically, like the pitching changes, the pitching decisions he made were fine. You know, I don't really think I remember any major pitching change issues that were, you know, an issue. And, um, you know, he took, he led a 101 win season last year and one manager of the year. Yeah. So I, I mean, he's, I believe the only manager in major league history to win manager of the year in four different decades, which is <clears throat> yeah. quite amazing. Um, you know, but I was surprised, I was surprised. I think they should have held on to him, but apparently it was David Stern's decision. Um, so, you know, obviously he's the new president of baseball ops coming in. He's going to be introduced today in about two hours over at City Field. Uh, 12 noon, I think, is when they're going to do that. So I'll probably watch the press conference for a little bit before I head out to uh, Jersey to the golf course because we're all going out as a center to go play some golf today, uh, which will be pretty fun. Um, raining, and if any of my golf tech compatriots are listening to this from any of the <laughs> other centers, we are the champs. Lehigh Golf Tech, Lehigh Valley are the Golf Tech Open champs for the next year. Uh, so we've got the belt in our possession, and it's going to stay there. Good stuff. Permanently. Um, so, but yeah, I think it was Stern's decision, it seems like. And as far as who I'd like to see as the manager, I don't really know. I haven't, I wasn't exactly doing any sort of, you know, research into it. The name I keep hearing come up is Craig Council from the from the uh, the Brewers. I don't know if he's on an expiring contract, so I don't know if the Mets would be able to even interview him. I mean, especially because the Brewers wouldn't let them interview David Stearns. Why would they let them interview Craig Council? Um, but I mean, that's a name that keeps coming up. I mean, I had a couple people ask me this yesterday when I was out. Some said Girardi, some said Mattingly. I was like, eh. Mattingly, maybe, but I don't think Girardi. Last time around, I would have been okay with Joe Girardi, but yeah. this time, I don't think that's an option. The other one that keeps coming in my head, and I haven't really heard it yet, and it was because now that I think the entire, I think the sentiment on the Astros has died down a bit, Carlos Beltran, I think, would be a good option. They, they hired him as manager once. It's possible they do it again, and he's back in the organization. So, you know, if he's not the manager, I do think he should. They should put him on the coaching staff in some capacity. Yeah, you know, make make him the bench coach, make him a hitting coach, whatever you need to do. Especially because you know there's a lot of Spanish players on the team, whether it's in Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, wherever, and I think that would be a good person to have in the clubhouse, especially somebody who did that for 20 years of his career and was always, for the most part, a pretty team-oriented guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, obviously the Astros scandal, you know, he was the only player that was named in it, and it's it's destroying his Hall of Fame candidacy, which is unfortunate. But, you know, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, if you had to ask me today, my top two options is Craig Council and Carlos Beltran. That would be my my two main options right now. But now that Buck is officially gone, I'm gonna have to see. I'm gonna have to do a little research into it. So I'll have to I'll have to take some time to figure out who I think would make sense. Yeah. But off the bat, off the top of my head, those two are, those two make perfect sense. Yeah, I like it. I mean, Carlos Beltran. I mean that that could be. 
a really unique, exciting, uh, you know, kind of kind of entertainment wise, baseball wise, connecting in a unique way wise, former player wise. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of things that that could do to maybe get a little spark to the uh, New York Mets. So that is a not terrible thought at all to put in there. Before we get to, we got to get to football. So let's let's do it here. We got the bracket up. We're going to be unveiling these on the social medias. So you'll be able to see Brendan's full bracket and you'll see my full bracket as well. Uh, PJ and I'll talk about it later in the week, of course. But we'll be talking on Thursday and Thursday is at the if necessary games. These games start tomorrow. I will be watching wire to wire. The games start at three o'clock. The last game started eight o'clock. So we're talking from like three to 11. I will be watching all the way through. And again, thank you to the wonderful world of the playoffs where my Diamondbacks are on television all the time because that should happen more often. Shout out to Corbin Carroll and the crew. So let's go Murph into the American League. And I will guide you through. Number one seeded Orioles are off until the next round for the ALDS. Who makes it to face them? The number four seeded Rays or the number five seeded Texas Rangers? You know, I was wrestling back and forth with this as we were talking about this before. Yeah. Originally, I had picked the Rangers, but the more I thought about it, I don't think the Rangers have enough pitching in a short series to get through. I think the Rays still develop pitching really well, and they've still got arms that are good. The Trop's not a major home field advantage. I mean, they don't ever fill up the Trop. Even during the playoffs, those seats in the upper deck are never open. Um, but I'm going to say the Rays simply because I just think they're the better team. Short series, anything can happen. And you got to win two games. But yeah. I'm going to say the Rays also partly because of the way the Rangers ended the season. Okay. I don't think their, their end to the season was all that special, so... You know, losing a division, yeah, they're going to be motivated, but I think that's also what can, might knock them out. So I'm going to go with the Rays. Yeah, I mean, you think about the difference between winning the division or having to play this first series. I mean, that that was literally the difference, which was, again, we talk about things that are right in front of you. That was the difference here. It was, hey, if you stay at the top, and they were leading in the final week, the Rangers were over the Astros, if you win your division, you get to sit and watch. Now you got to face the Rays. A little bit different here. Uh, Ken, what do we got? A question. Cam Moore is the best quarterback in the nation and is the Heisman front runner. Let's go Washington State. So we got uh, some love from from a fan here who's looking at Cam Ward in Washington State right now. Uh, Ken, we appreciate it, Kenny. Thank you for tuning in and for giving us your thoughts here. As we continue on the baseball side of things, Murph says Rays, and if you couldn't take it from my conversation that we were having here earlier and everything that I've said about it, I respect the Rangers, I do. But I think the Rays are, again, one of those teams that very well could be the top team in the American League without Wander. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Rays over the Rangers as well because of their pitching, because of their hitting, because of their way of bouncing back because of not making excuses and always finding a way, I'm going to pick the Rays to move forward here. All right, Murph, so we're going to go to the other side of the ALDS, which will have the Houston Astros, the number two seed, facing the Minnesota Twins, 
in a division where nobody wanted to win, the American League Central, the only winning record of the American League with five teams in it, belongs to the Minnesota Twins and the Toronto Blue Jays make sure that three teams, once again, make it from the American League East who decided that they want to take 50% of the American League in the playoffs every single year. The, the Blue Jays are in. The Twins are in. The Jays have had some really good games, and they've come from arguably the toughest division in baseball. And the Twins come from maybe the weakest or one of the weakest divisions in baseball. The if, weakest. I don't think it's much of a stretch. Yeah. Your thoughts? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep this short. It's the Blue Jays. Berrios, Gosman. Yeah, it's the Blue Jays. I think they went in in two. Yeah, Blue Jays here. Listen, if the Blue Jays do not win this, then to me, this is a this is a blunder of epic proportions by the Blue Jays. Yeah. They should be able. I mean, the, the Twins still have good pitching, so yeah. in a short series, anything can happen. Yeah, you know, Joe Ryan, Pablo Lopez are probably going to start those two games, and you know, I don't know who's going to start the third game for them, but you know, I just think the Blue Jays pitching is better. I think their lineup is better. I think they're both better. Yeah. Just going to keep it short because I think that series is going to be just that short. Yeah, I think the Blue Jays, listen, I, I consider them a threat to certain teams that were out there and they were trying to, you know, give whatever they could inside of the American League East. These, these, I mean, everybody's battle tested. I get that. But some of these divisions feel more battle tested because of who they have to go up against. And the Jays are a team that's overlooked because of the Rays and because of the Orioles. And I think overlooking them may be a mistake. So I got the Blue Jays advancing to face off against the Astros as well. Let's jump to the other side of the entire thing here in the National League. The Braves are the number one seed. The Dodgers are the two. They will sit and wait for the divisional series. The Phillies and the Marlins, four versus five respectively, to face the Braves. Who do you got? As much as I want to say the Marlins, it's it has to be the Phillies. I mean, their lineup's just too good. Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper, Trey Turner. Just go down the list. JT Real Muto. You could keep going forever, but you're you're not going to find a you're not really going to find a better lineup in baseball outside of maybe the Braves. So I, I think it's going to be the Phillies. I think the Marlins give them a series. I think it could go three games. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Phillies. Yeah. This is the reason why I didn't want the Diamondbacks to have to play the Phillies is because like you said, next to the Braves outside of the Braves, you know, who has the better lineup here, the Phillies have a lot and they're in a little bit of that shadow of obviously what the Braves have done in recent history and winning a world series in the last two years. And the fact that the Braves are the number one team coming out of the NL East but that should not keep you from the reality that the Phillies would be leading other divisions in baseball if they were not in the NL East. So I think the Phillies are a danger zone. And as much they as I want them, every, every division in the American League. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. I mean, if the Phillies, if the, I mean, I want the Marlins to make this something, I would love for the Marlins to win a game. I, I would love, I would love They're for these pesky, to be, so I yeah. think they do. And maybe, maybe, I mean, it might be one of those like 1 0 games, might be one of those games that's just kind of maybe right out of the gate. They take one and the Phillies got to win two in a row. I think they beat Nola in game two. 
Okay. To be honest, I would imagine Wheeler's going to start game one. Yeah. But I think they beat Nolan in game two because his he's the type of guy that's susceptible to giving up a lot of hits. And he's not going to give up big hits. I don't think there's going to be many home runs. I think the Marlins just are just going to dink and dunk around him. They'll give up probably like four runs on seven or eight hits in six innings, and the Marlins might win like 4-2 or 4-3 or something like that. I could see them winning game two and forcing a game three. Yeah, I'm going to say that uh, I think I think they'll steal. I think they might steal the first game and sh- kind of shake it all up, but I got the Phillies winning the series as well. So I have the Phillies here. As much as I would love to see the Marlins do it, I'm going to pick the Phillies over the Marlins, which leads us to who will face the Dodgers in the NLDS. The Dodgers are two seed. you go first for your team. The Milwaukee Brewers, thank you. The three seed and the Diamondbacks, the six seed. I know the Diamondbacks backpedaled a little bit into this thing, but my hashtag snake bitten is way too early to be gone. Snake bitten is the hashtag. It's not the official Diamondbacks hashtag, but at the end of all this, I'm hoping that it will be. Every time they beat anybody, I'm going to have snake bitten. I might throw it in the middle of some of these games. So I am going to go ahead. And not because this is my heart, but because I have seen them do enough. Now, I don't have them going far in this thing, and I I hope I'm wrong. My heart wants them to go to the World Series against the Orioles. But but what I can't... It was like the Mets last year. I was like, I want them to go into the World Series and play the Yankees. I would love that. My heart would love to see Diamondbacks, Orioles, but I'm at least going to see, in my opinion... And I know they've been a thorn in the side before. And I remember being down in St. Augustine and watching this thing and being very frustrated in a Milwaukee Brewers team that was trying to keep these Diamondbacks out of the playoffs. The Diamondbacks will find, in my opinion, enough to get two. Do I believe that they can get two games? Yeah. And they play well against those good teams. And like I said, against the teams that they should be rolling over, they've struggled at times. I don't know if they played down or maybe they thought, hey, you know, we're not going to expect much out of this team. I don't know what it is. I hope that wasn't the thought. I don't believe it is. I think this Diamondbacks team has a lot of heart in it, has a lot of fight in it, has a lot of drive in it. They obviously have talent with the bats, and I think they have better pitching than some people might give them credit for. I don't think it's Zach Gallen or Bust. I think there's a little bit more coming up the strings here. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Arizona because they got to win two out of three, and I think they can do that. Murph? I can't, I can't, pick, the, I can't pick the D-backs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, can't, I can't in good conscience pick the D-backs. And it's, it goes back to what I said before. The Brewers have the best pitching staff for a short series. There is no one in baseball, and I'm even going to say as far as this, even the preseason Mets with Scherzer, Verlander, and Senga were not better than Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. It's just not – like those three guys are so good, I don't even think Peralta needs to pitch. I think they say Peralta for game one against the Dodgers. So I'm going to say it's a 2-0 sweep with the Milwaukee Brewers. And I genuinely think Milwaukee can make a deep run, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But I I like the Brewers a lot this postseason. 
Well, Murph, with all the love that I have for you, I can only hope that you and the rest of the world, not by a real one, but by the D-backs, join me in getting a little snake bitten this postseason. So I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks. You're going to go with the Brewers. Okay, so let's go over to the ALDS, the final four of the American League, which is going to be Orioles Rays and Astros Jays for the both of us. So give me the two teams you think will advance to the ALCS. I'm going to start with the with the 2-6 matchup. I think it's at, it's Houston. Um, they have been to the ALCS now. What it, 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 This would make it, I want to say... Hold on, do you need a drum roll? Seven years. I think it would be seven years in a row that make the, NLD, <laughs> the, uh, the, the championship series. Yeah. I think that streak lives. I do. I, I Blue Jays are a decent team. I could see them upsetting the Astros. But it's the Astros. Yep. We saw this when they were the wild card team in 2021. They still went to the World Series. It can happen. I'm I'm picking Houston, and then Orioles Rays was tough. Yeah. I wanted to go Baltimore, then I wanted to go Tampa. Yeah. The more I figured, the more I thought about this. The more I think the atmosphere in Baltimore is going to be amazing, I think the Orioles are going to feed off of it, and I think the Orioles are going to win the series, and I do think it goes five games. Astros, I think, win in four. Orioles, I think, win in five. Yeah, this one, I got to tell you, I don't want to pick this one when I would talk about the Orioles and the Rays because I'm happy for both. I'm happy for both of the teams. Honestly, I'm going to be happy no matter what. I would love to see the Jays beat the Astros and then have an all-AL East at the top because I believe the AL East has been the best division in baseball for a couple of years now. So this is tough for me. The Astros are the easy pick. They're the one that's like... They're still the defending champs. Right. You know, and and it's 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 not it's not a difficult one to pick. I think a lot of people are gonna think that they're gonna bowl over the the Jays, and that's you know, to me. Do I think they can do it? Yes. Do I think that they have enough? Yeah. Do I think they'd have to go the entire series? Probably. So I am not gonna be surprised. You know what? I got I to gotta go with where it's at. So I know the Astros have been exciting. I know that they've been wonderful. I know that they have a streak. I know that they have history. But I also know that what I'm about to say, I would regret not saying if I ended up being right. So if I or I would regret not saying it if if I if I keep it inside and this ends up coming true. So I'm going to say it, and I might be the only person in America to do it, but I'm going to say Blue Jays over the Astros because I know I'm going to kick myself a week from now if this doesn't happen, or a couple weeks from now if this doesn't happen, and I'm sitting here going, "Yeah, I would have picked them." Well, I don't want to say shoulda, woulda, coulda. I believe that you only go around this this life one time. So I'm going to pick the Blue Jays over the Astros. It's going to take the entire series for them to do it. 
but I think they'll gut it out. I think the Astros might overlook it a little bit. I know they're talented. I know they have a lot running for them. I completely understand that. And some people might think I'm crazy, but I would be crazy to not make this pick because I can see myself in the future kicking my own tail, just like Jim Carrey and Liar Liar if I didn't say it. So I'm going to say Jays over the Astros. And I, if I'm right, well, then I guess I guess I might be the only person in America that says that thing, besides the Jays themselves. As far as the Rays and the Orioles, this this is the game that I don't want to pick. I think that, you know, head-to-head, obviously, this season, uh, we've seen the Orioles have success. And, and I, I just – I struggle with this one because I feel like the Rays are a team that very well could make it to the World Series, and I feel that way about them pretty much all of these last few years. Now, I know that they just won or they just split the series with the Rays two to two. So, you know, seeing that and and seeing how the Orioles have played all season, they've been able to keep the Rays at bay. And I totally mean that pun. But I mean, when we go back to July, they had beaten them three to what was it? Four to four to one in their series. It was a big old series. And then or three to one. Was it three to one? Three to one. Pardon me. I for some reason I'm reading this wrong. So three to one, they had done that. And then going down here, they split two to two in September. Most recently here, mid-September. I think that the Rays are a team that is poised to do it. I also think the Orioles are more than capable of doing it. The Rays know what they have to do. They know what need they will be they will put the entire pitching staff out there if they have to. The Orioles, I really honestly believe, can be a World Series team this year. And it pains me to make this pick, especially because I may find myself down in Tampa at some point here in the next couple weeks. But I'm going to pick the Orioles over the Rays. I think the Rays have enough to do it, but my gut's not there. And so... I got to go with the Orioles in this one as much as I believe the Rays are talented enough to do it. I I don't see it this year. I see the Orioles with a slight edge. I see them having a slight edge. I think the only way you can pick the Rays is if you pick on experience. Yeah. I mean, this team's been in the postseason multiple years in a row, and, you know, they're giving, their self, giving themselves a chance. The Orioles have not made the playoffs in quite some time. Yeah. So the experience is not in their court, but they're going to have the home crowd advantage. And yeah. Camden Yards is going to be rocking during the first two games of that series. So and let's I imagine it will be rocking during game five of that series. And I do think it will go five games. But oh, yeah. I like the pick. I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. But yeah, I got to the National League. This is where it gets tough. Yeah, I had to, I had to go with the Orioles. But if they could play seven games, they would. I think them in the Rays. Just, just watch them play. Have their own mini World Series. So let's go to the Braves. The Braves taking on the Phillies in both of our minds. Who do you got? Braves. It's. I know the Phillies beat them last year, but I think the Braves will use that as fuel. They're not going to lose to the Phillies twice. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Braves as well. Uh, the Braves have shown. I mean, listen, Philadelphia makes it as the top wild card team in the National League, which makes you think, oh my gosh. You know, they had to be so close to the Braves, but they're actually not. 
the Braves were double digit games ahead and games yeah, yeah, 14 games. And that was a, that was a normal, not just now, but throughout this season here, once Atlanta caught fire, they, they flew up by double digit games on the rest of their division of the national league East. So yeah, I'm going to pick the Braves here. I don't see the Phillies doing it again. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and pick Atlanta to move forward. Atlanta's a dangerous team. The year that they won the World Series a couple of years ago, I said they were the weakest team coming in. They were the sixth seed in the National League. A lot of people agreed with me that they were the weakest team and they won the World Series. So anything can happen, but I'm going to go with the Braves to move forward here. There's just too much, and Atlanta's too strong to not make it to the NLCS, in my opinion. Dodgers. Brewers for you, Dodgers, Diamondbacks for me. We'll go to yours first, Murph. What do you got? Real quick, back on the Braves. Yep. Um, I am guilty of saying that as well um, back in 2021. But this Braves team is too good. It's like last year's Astros. They're too good to lose. Yeah. So that's why I picked them. Brewers, Dodgers. This is going to be an interesting series. The Dodgers pitching staff. Especially now that Julio Arias is see ya. Another scumbag if that if those reports are true. Um but I picked the Brewers. I I don't see the Dodgers being able to hang out with the Brewers because I think the Brewers are gonna win their first two games against the uh the Diamondbacks. So I think they sweep that series, which means Freddie Peralta is gonna go game one against Clayton Kershaw. Now that could be a very interesting scenario because we all know Kershaw's playoff struggles. I could see this game not making it back to L.A. I think the Brewers win it in four because I think it'll be Peralta, then it'll be Burns again, then it'll be Woodruff again. So I don't know if this series is going to make it back to, to L.A. I'm going to go with the Brewers, and I, I think they win it three games to one. All right, Murph going Brewers. I think the Brewers, you know, I, I do think that I picked the Diamondbacks in the two, but I do think if the Brewers get through this, that they could be a very dangerous team. I do agree with you that they are not the team that you want to face in the NLDS, but the Dodgers going up against the Diamondbacks in mine, the Dodgers uh, finished 16 games above the Arizona Diamondbacks in the division of the NL West. When we go back and look at the series that we had here between the two teams, I want to make a note as we go to, I'm going to go to the first half of the season and the second half and take a look overall at how things shook out. They started the season against each other and the Dodgers went two and two in the first series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and that that was at home in L.A., and so they split two to two. Then they went to Arizona, and they lost three to one. So this would be great if it was in Arizona, but that's not how the series starts here. And then beyond that, in the second half, and I know that they had a blunder later on here, but which leads to them being the sixth seed and not the fifth seed. But looking at them go up against each other again at Arizona, they won both in early August and then against the Diamondbacks in a three-game series, they won them all recently. So here's the thing. They've won the last five, but, 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 but when you, when you have all of those, 
maybe it's ripe for the Diamondbacks to swing back here. These series of playing in division, can they sweep the Diamondbacks after beating them the last five in a row here? The Dodgers got better over time, and the better that they got, the more games they won against the Diamondbacks. So what are my thoughts on this one? Do I believe that the Diamondbacks can give them anything here? I do believe the Diamondbacks can bring it to them. I do think this series is going to go deeper than people think it's going to go. I think the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers being in the same division is something that can shake up the Dodgers a bit here. My concern with the Diamondbacks is how they played them as of late. My other concern with the Diamondbacks is pitching versus pitching. And can this Diamondbacks team outhit the Dodgers team if they need to? So this is where my heart and my head fight each other. I'm going Braves over Phillies, but my Diamondbacks playing up against the Dodgers, this is a really difficult one for me to pick because of my heart, but I am going to say the Dodgers over the Diamondbacks to advance here because as I tell people all the time, it is a cardinal sin to be partial in the broadcasting world. If if you're my favorite team and I genuinely believe you're going to win, then I'll pick you to win. If you're my favorite team and I believe that you're going to lose, well, then I pick you to lose because it is a cardinal sin to be partial, in my opinion. In broadcasting or media of any kind, you have to be able to take yourself back and look at it impartially or else I don't think you're a good broadcaster. So Diamondbacks, prove me wrong. I want you to do it. I want you to win. I want you to advance. Nobody has you getting there except you guys. And I hope that that's enough to get you there knowing that you can do it, you're capable of doing it. I believe in you, and you have my heart. I mean, hey, that was the Phillies last year. Yeah, they have my heart. Succeed, last team in the playoffs, all the way to the World Series. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It can they, happen. They got my it's heart. not likely, but it can happen. They definitely have my heart. But I'm going to go ahead and go with the Dodgers to win this series. And, hey. My Diamondbacks get a series in this one, something to build on. And I think they will, but I hope, I hope, I just hope. They're ahead of schedule. I, they'll yeah. be back. Yeah. They're just ahead of schedule. And, Give them another year or two, more development from Carroll. Yeah. Get Drew Jones up to the big leagues, and they'll be back. From, yeah, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that this NL West rivalry really looks like one and is heatedly awesome in a great way for the Diamondbacks as we move forward in the NLDS. It's tough to play a team in your division in the playoffs in any sport. So we shall see, but I'm going to pick Dodgers. I hope I'm wrong. Let's go to the ALCS and the NLCS, the final four of the entire thing. Murph is going with the Orioles and the Astros. So Orioles, Astros, who comes out of the AL? And in the NL, Braves and Brewers, who comes out of that one? I want to say the Orioles. I do. But like I said before, experience trumps the best team. Now, are the Orioles the best team in the American League? By record, yeah. But the Astros have been there year after year after year. This would be seven consecutive, wait, is 
17, 18, 19, 20, 1, 2, 3. Yeah, seven consecutive years they would be in the American League Championship Series. And they won in 2017. They won in 2019. They won in 2021. Yeah. And they won in 2022. They've won four out of six. I think they make it five out of seven. I think it's the Astros. I'd love to see the Orioles make a deep run and go to the World Series, partially for the value of that Happy Rutschman card that I've got. Um, but I'm going to use my brain, and I'm going to say the Houston Astros go back to the World Series. Again, I know we don't want to see it, but that's my thought. All right. National League. Yeah. Braves. It's it's. When something's too easy, I feel like again, it's not the best choice. Like something too if something's too easy to pick, it's too good to be true. Yeah. I think we just see a rematch of twenty twenty one. I genuinely do. I, I think that's just the way it's gonna go. So Braves Mur- are too good to lose. Murph is going with the Astros to win the American League in advance to the World Series, and the Braves to win the National League in advance to the world series. My picks and mine are a little bit different here because I have the Jays versus the Orioles. And I really, I'm sitting here thinking in my head, like this could, this could, this could be the Rays. The Rays could be in this position, Rays versus Jays here and not Orioles versus Jays. But for mine in this one with the Orioles having the opportunity to face the Toronto Blue Jays, I'm going to go with the Orioles to advance to the World Series, winning the American League. I will pick the Orioles over the Blue Jays, and I want to go on record saying I still believe this could be Tampa-Toronto. But if it's Baltimore, Baltimore over the Blue Jays to win the American League and advance to the World Series. As far as the National League goes, I have Braves and Dodgers, so some people might consider that boring, but I consider them the two best teams in the National League. So with that being, and obviously they finished as such, and and I agree that the Braves are one and the Dodgers are two. So Dodgers, Braves, I feel like the Dodgers will make it interesting, but the Braves got too much. I'm going with the Braves to advance to face off against the Orioles, where we're going to be looking at that David and Goliath Everybody thought the Braves, who thought the Orioles, the two number one seeds. Some people would say I went chalk, but the Orioles, I don't think are given the credit of being a number one seed, and I don't think everybody's going to pick them. But I got you Braves. You can't go and, wrong, though. That's, that's going to be a common World Series, but you can't go wrong with that. All right. I'm going to go Orioles-Braves. You're going to go Astros-Braves. Who's winning it all? This is how I'm going to say this. Same teams, different year, same result. Braves in six. Murph going with the Braves to win. They're too good. The they World are Series. too good to fail. Yeah. It's when you have a team that is this good all year long, so far and away the best team in baseball. Yeah. 
I'd be shocked if they don't. It was like the 2020 Dodgers. That team we knew was going to win the World Series. And I'm glad we actually got the two best teams in the World Series at the time. It was the Dodgers and the Rays that year. But, you know, when you have a team like this, you're far and away the best team in baseball. You're too good to lose. There's, you know, if it was the Orioles in here, I think it could have been more of a series. I mean, granted, I am saying it's six. Ga- I am saying it's going to be a six-game series, not five, uh, not four, uh, four or five. Yeah. But I don't think it's impossible for the Braves to sweep their way to the World Series, all the way. Sweep the Brewer or sweep the, the Phillies, sweep the Braves, sweep the Brewers, and then get to the World Series. The Astros did it last year. Yeah. It's not impossible. Yeah. I. It's for me. The Braves are too good, and as a Mets fan, it kills me to make that pick, but. They're too good. They're too good to lose. Yeah. I mean, I made this entire bracket staring at the Braves logo. And like I said, as much as I would like the Orioles and the Diamondbacks to make this a World Series that I would love to watch more than most in recent history. I think you would go to it. Oh. If I the think di- you'd go to Arizona for game three. Yeah. They, there's There's definitely a chance that I might be traveling. To see my Diamondbacks, and they haven't won the World Series in 2001, baby. 2001. 2001, fastest team to get there, fastest team to win, four years. Correct. So, and Luis Gonzalez, maybe this is a little good thing here, celebrating with my Diamondbacks. So, but uh, I and Luis, the one who knocked in the winning run, thank you, Luis, for that. But number 28, remember you forever. And I need to get, I think I got to get a Luis Gonzalez jersey. I don't know why I don't have one. And a Randy Johnson. That's birthday ideas, Murph. Write it down. And so, um, cards. I want to know what Murph's getting me for my birthday. Autographed memorabilia, cards, something of that sort. Let's make it fun. But uh, break open the piggy bank. So this is, uh, (laughs) yeah. But like I said, I would love to see Orioles Diamondbacks. If the Diamond, okay, I'm going to put it to you like this. There's a chance I might see the Diamondbacks in the wild card. There's a chance. If they advance like I think that they will in the NLDS, then my butt needs to go. If they get farther than that, I might just be camping out wherever they are, and that's just my reality. If it's Baltimore Orioles, Arizona Diamondbacks, it will be my birthday gift. That's that the major league major league baseball brings to me. And I would love that. I did pick Orioles Braves. I'm going to pick the Braves. I feel like they have too much like Murph said. And like, I, like I said, at the beginning of all this, I was staring at their logo the whole time. I was like, who's going to beat the Braves. That was in the back of my mind. So I'm going to go Braves. I want it to be Orioles Diamondbacks. I want to go to the World Series and I want to see this play out like a video game. I want to go to the World Series last year. Look how that turned out. I know, Murph. I know, Murph. I did I did get to go to two games though, so I'm not I'm not overly sad about that. Right. Yeah, you got to see your team in I the got pro- to watch Jacob DeGrom's last start in a Mets uniform and then I got to watch him lose. Right. You get Very to see sad. you get to see your team in the postseason. Now I get to see my team in the postseason. I'll cheer on the would Mets. Would you go to Baltimore or would you go to Arizona? 
if they make it to the World Series, I'm going to the whole thing. <laughs> so like you need to go to every game? If if they okay, I'm gonna put it to you right now. I don't even know when the heck this would be. Do you know how much money that's gonna cost you? Whatever. I work for myself. Dude, $10,000. Well, then someone needs to give me birthday money. But uh, yeah, no, I would say if the Orioles, if the Diamondbacks make it to the World Series, I will for sure make sure I go to at least one game. If I think you, I think you just go to the three games in Arizona. But two games, at least two games in Arizona. I, yeah, I mean, I think you should. I think if you're gonna go, you got to go see them at all. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the, my reality. Would I like to go to all of them? Absolutely. But and I've had a connection to them, obviously, in interviewing and speaking to their communications department. The Rays, I mean, I there's a opportunity for me to get down there and do some coverage. But yes, if if the Diamondbacks make it to this World Series, if and when that happens, my butt will be there by the grace of God, somehow, some way. I'm going to pick the Braves in my prediction, but I want the Diamondbacks to do it. And Orioles, I love you. I do. I, I hope the best for you. I send you my love. If the Diamondbacks face you, I love you less. But I do I do love you. So I love what you did this season. I'm so happy for you. It, it means the world to me. From a story back, first time I went to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown with my dad, and we both picked out Orioles stuff. We're not Orioles fans. We just really liked the logo, and it was something that, like, we could get together and I got this like steel heavy keychain of the Orioles and I was seven. So 30 years later, three decades later, if you guys did this, that little kid in me would be like, Hey, there's a reason why, you know what I mean? Like there was something connecting me to the Orioles way back when. And so I've always had a soft spot for the Orioles. I don't think that people treat them like the big brother. They're always like little brother, big Cal Ripken jr. Fan. So if the Orioles do it this year, I'll be super proud. I have you guys get into the World Series. I would love to see you win it unless you play my Diamondbacks. Then I'd love to see you be second. And yeah, Braves, if you make me right in my prediction, great. If the Diamondbacks make me right in my heart, better. That's how I look at it. So we went well over. I know you guys are waiting for the presidential perspective with Alfred University President Mark Zupan. So we're going to get that going in a second. But I am a man of my word. So Murph, quick on your Jets, and I'll throw some on my Jaguars. Okay. Last week, I was on here willing to defend Zach Wilson, that it was not all on him. Yes. And you guys all know, I do not like Zach Wilson. I never have. However. He is the reason they nearly won that game yesterday. Yes. I know you're going to say, oh, he fumbled the snap and they never got the ball back. Okay. Because that, that could happen to anybody. It's not like he made a poor decision. That could legitimately happen to anybody. I know he owned up to it. Like He has grown on me as a player this year. His accountability, his leadership – he matured during the offseason, and Aaron Rodgers has, has been an integral part of that. I will say this, if they do not, if he does not play well next week against the, the Broncos, Jets fans are going to be calling for his head again. Oh, yeah. But get Aaron to Denver. It's, not, it's a quick trip from California. Get him to Denver just to be there. I think the fact that Aaron Rodgers was even in the building – 
helped Zach Wilson remain calm. Yeah. And let's be honest, a lot of those throws he made yesterday looked like Aaron Rodgers. The back shoulder passes. The touchdown pass that he threw to, I think that was Uzama, in the back corner of the end zone. Yep. He looked really good yesterday. He made some poor throws, but anybody's going to make poor throws. But he looked outstanding yesterday. He alone is the reason why they were in they were in that game. When they went down seventeen to nothing, he took command of that team. Said, "Hey, this game's not over yet," and he drove them down the field. They scored a touchdown after the safety. They scored after the safety. No, they kicked the field goal after the safety. They drive down the field, score a touchdown. Coming out of halftime, drive down the field, score a touchdown. This team. With that version of Zach Wilson at quarterback, will yeah. win a lot of football games. I can promise you that. Yeah. If that Zach Wilson comes to Denver, the Jets get to blow out the Denver Broncos. Absolutely blow them out. Maybe not Miami blow them out, but they'll blow out the Broncos. And they'd give the Eagles a game. If old Zach Wilson shows up to Denver, he won't make the start against the Eagles. But the fact that they let him out and let him do his thing, that's what they needed. That's what we've been waiting for all along. Let him run the ball. Let him use his feet. Get the ball out quick. Run the West Coast system that they're supposed to. The fact that he was able to do that on Sunday night football against the Chiefs in a game where everyone expected it just to get killed, I like our. I like where our team's at right now. I know we're one and three. Two and four at the break is not going to be the worst thing. Yeah. Not at all. That version of Zach Wilson that we saw last night could take this team to the playoffs. I can promise you that. But it depends on what version of him we see next week. If we see this version of Zach Wilson, I'm going to be pumped. I might, I'm thinking I might still, and you, and I know we didn't talk about it yet. I sent DT a text last night when it was 20, 20 to 20. Yeah. I told him if the Jets win this game, I'm wearing my Zach Wilson jersey on this show and for the game next week. Yeah. I might still wear it for the game next week. I genu- I really might. But it's going to be a quick hook if he doesn't look good. Yeah. I mean, listen. This team, with their defense, can face off against anybody. And if you have a serviceable quarterback – You got a shot because they will hold teams to low points. Now, Jaguars defense held Kansas City under 20 and lost because of bad offensive play calling and lack of execution in the red zone and on third down. But the defense was there. 17 to 9 in that loss. This game, same thing. Jets defense showed up. The offense, listen, you got a drop ball in the front of the end zone that was on your receiver. Then you have a drop ball on their right side of the end zone by Garrett Wilson, which which was too far. Yeah, which it it was a good throw. It just wasn't a perfect throw. It was off his fingertips. Real quick, let me let me pop right back in real quick because I know you got we got to get out of here. But the two penalty calls, or lack thereof at the end of the game, the holding call was ridiculous. That's not a holding. 
He didn't grab his jersey or anything. That should have been, they let the play happen. And the flag came in ridiculously late. Like, come on. Um, and then the, the non-call on the left tackle that was holding Jermaine Johnson. He was holding it for like eight seconds. Yeah. And they didn't call <laughs> it. Literally. He's, his hands are like out here as he's getting held. Waiting for a flag. And they never threw one. That was on the third and 20 where, where Mahomes ran for the first down. And then they threw in a defensive holding. So realistically, that play should have come back. And then it would have been third and 20 again because they would have been nullifying penalties. That the referees, I'm not, and I'm not going to say the Jets would have won the game because anything could happen. Yeah. But the referees definitely took that game away from the Jets. There were multiple opportunities for the referees to just play a normal football game, call holding on that play, let the, the, the hands play from Sauce go on the interception. The interception, that game's still 20 to 20. Jets get the ball at midfield with, I think, four minutes left. They could have very easily gone down and at worst kicked a field goal or at best scored a touchdown and put a lot of pressure on Mahomes. Yeah. Now it's Mahomes. He could have easily drove down the field and scored again and maybe forced overtime or whatever. But those two calls, the, the holding call and the non-holding call on the left on the left tackle, are what cost the Jets the game. Period. Yeah, you know. Sorry, I'll let you get back to that. No, no. I mean, listen. Looking at the the holding penalty on Sauce, it, it's it was a stupid thing, and it looks like a normal football play that would happen a billion times. But it was, but it was called. And like you said, when a flag comes in late, I've been at Syracuse games where the play happens and they wait, 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 and the ref just throws the flag out, and you're going. Who paid you today? Who paid you to make yeah. sure that this happened? And there were calls. The NFL, clearly, because they wanted the Chiefs to win with Taylor Swift in the crowd. Well, and and well, and now that they got the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Was, oh my God! Yeah. And anytime they showed her, I just wanted to just go. But the thing anytime is, is they showed her. now that they're like entertainment, pop culture, NFL, is their relationship real? I don't think so. I think it's they could just be, could be they could be really good friends. They could be like bro and sis. I don't know. But the thing is, is this seems I don't know. It feels staged. And and that to me, I mean, listen, if y'all love each other, that's great. And I and I hope the best for you. If if the dating is real, that's great. And I hope the best for you. If this is just like the NFL wants to make a little bit more money and wants to take some people from certain channels at certain times. Well, then I think it's stupid and ridiculous and I don't like it. So listen, I like Taylor Swift. I like Travis Kelsey. Whatever. Have fun. But the Jets in this game proved down the stretch that they were a lot better of a team. The fingertip ball to Garrett Wilson was a little bit farther than it needed to be. It was just barely over. I don't put that on Garrett. The one in the front of the end zone, yes, that's on your receiver. You got hit in the hands. Conklin dropped it, and that's one you Even wish. CJ Mosley yeah. dropped yeah. interception. And the CJ Mosley dropped interception, which was which was another one which uh, Syracuse had one of those against Clemson, where it hit Marlowe Wax in his hands, ricochet ricocheted and bounced off of him. So, 
yes, I don't put those on Zach Wilson at all. I think that that should have been a touchdown, so that could have been a victory. C.J. Mosley interception could have led to the victory. The Garrett Wilson thing was a little bit off on Zach Wilson's side. I think what should happen with the Jets is if you want the Jets to be in these games and almost win them or win them, what they have to do that they should have realized in week one is that they have to play on primetime. Because when they played the Bills on primetime, they were great. And when they played the Chiefs on primetime, they were great. And the Chiefs and Bills can make it far in the postseason this year for the AFC, if not farther. So just to make a little bit of a note on that. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Jets played a hell of a game. I think the Jets' defense and the Jaguars' defense have exposed things about the Chiefs. And I think if their offenses were a little bit better and did a little bit more, they both would have won those games. So I I definitely give credit to the Jets' defense, arguably the best defense in the country. I give credit to Zach Wilson for the work that he put in. I hope Aaron Rodgers, like you said, goes and travels because I think Zach seeing his support would mean a lot to him. I think Zach hears the world. He knows how everybody feels about him. He knows how Joe Namath feels about him. He knows how he knows if he does anything good, people are shocked. And if he does anything bad, people think it's normal life. And so it's kind of him and his people believing in him. And outside of that, it feels like a lonely world. So Zach, what I would tell you in that respect is been there, done that. And my best advice to you is to love every second of it. Keep the chip firmly planted on your shoulder and play the way that you know how to play. Love up on your team and do everything you can. And at the end of the game, when all those guys went over to Zach Wilson, his teammates, and he was sitting there kneeling on the ground and they were talking him, talking to him, and you could almost imagine what was being said at that did point. He, did you see what he mouthed to Thomas Morstead? What did he say? He literally said, it's my fault. I lost the game. And then Thomas Morstead was telling him, no, no, I wasn't on you. And then that's when everyone else came over. Yeah, and so it, they had that. They He mouthed that. It's... I'm not much of a lip reader, but you can clearly make out that's exactly what he said. And um, but to see that, you know, but that that shows a sense of maturity. Oh yeah, that he did not have last year. No, and the thing he was, did not have that last year. To, and I respect the hell out of him for that. Yeah. And I I genuinely think this could be the the first step to seeing the upside of Zach Wilson. Well, let him loose. Let him do his thing. Don't keep him in a box. Let him do his thing. And by the way, the offensive line played great. Joe Titman at right guard now. You, you flank AVT out to right tackle. Makai Becton at left tackle. Who knew? All you need was Dwayne. All you needed was Dwayne Brown to be hurt to, for the offensive line to be the best it can be. I know we got to get out of here. So let's yeah. talk. Let's Jags. Yeah. So win for them. Yes, and I mean to to make one final note. I do want to make one final note about about the Jets to see the guys come over and talk to Zach Wilson and and just be there for him. It says a lot about this team. It says a lot about the fire of this team. And I may not know much in life, but I can tell you something without doubt. When a bunch of people come together and believe in each other, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, what the rest of the world thinks, what any other team does the way that they came and got around Zach Wilson, they're going to win some games this year. They're going to make you remember them this season, and the Jets are not going to go quietly into the night. On the side of the Jaguars, much-needed victory. 
get back to 500. Two and two. Nobody's played more games in London in the NFL than the Jaguars. Ten games. They're five and five. They look to go above 500 when they face the Bills this coming week. I'm hoping that the Bills got a lot of their points scoring out of their system before this game, <laughs> like the Dolphins did. But the Jaguars' defense played well. All three phases played well, and all three phases scored. Darius Williams did some good things last year at corner for the Jaguars. I'm happy to see him get a 61-yard return. Calvin Ridley returning to the end zone, scored the first touchdown for the team in week one and scored the first touchdown of this game. Jacksonville looked poised the whole time, looked like they knew exactly what they were doing, and they were able to take a very, very high-scoringly capable offense of the Atlanta Falcons and held them down to just seven points. I credit all three phases for coming together in this victory, which you'll see in my story that I wrote on wakeupcalldt.com. I'm proud of this team. They look more like themselves. Now it's about building consistency. It's about doing it against Buffalo. You need to show who you are in the AFC, and you got a shot this week to do exactly that. I love that Wembley Stadium's rocking. I love D- Disney Plus's Toy Story version yeah, of the game cool. in real time. I watched it that way because I refused to buy any more streaming services. So like my buddy Ross and I talked about, by the way, happy birthday to Ross Trotsky, October 1st. We are now the same age for three weeks. So definitely, and he's a Jets fan, but definitely happy to see that. Loved watching it that way. Think they should bring Toy Story back and show it again that way for the Buffalo game. Had a lot of fun with it. And, you know, I said we would do cards here. I forgot that I had this box. I'm going to do this rapidly here. But my 2022 absolute football was sitting in my kitchen. I forgot that I opened it. I forgot anything I got in it. But I have a stargazing Josh Allen that I'm very happy to have. I have a draft diamonds DK Metcalf. I have two awesome, and I think people go for these at some trade shows, I have two rookies of Christian Watson, one of them being an insert that is called uh, Introductions. I have a By Storm Sky Moore, which I also have the Travis Etienne. I have James Cook, have his rookie card covered him in college with his teammate, Nicobe Dean from Georgia, who I also have. Hassan Haskins, I have Bailey Zappi's rookie card, and I'm happy to have these two Jags. Actually, I have three Jags in here. Let me make sure that I can... So I was trying to get guys in their Jag jerseys, and I was able to do that in this one with this box. So I have my guy Chad Muma and Christian Kirk, who were just on the most recent edition of On the Prowl. So I've interviewed both of these gentlemen last season and this season. They were both on the show. These are, I think this might be my first or second card of Christian Kirk with a Jag jersey on. It's my first Chad Muma, and I have a rookie Trayvon Walker here of the Jaguars. And anytime I get a Jaguars card in a box, I'm happy. So shout out to GG Cards and Breaks. Get your blaster boxes, your mega boxes, all types of boxes, as well as inserts, slabs, and and packs at GG Cards and Breaks. Open seven days a week on 639 Delmar Place in Syracuse, New York, off of Teal Ave, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Saturday. 10 to 5 on Sunday. Murph, you got All something right. to show us? So real real quick, just a couple just a couple things. Um my order 
I had a PSA order, a PSA for almost three months, and it finally came back. I sent four Shohei Otanis in this order. I went four for four. Four tens. Four tens. Oh, nice. So that's huge. Love that. This card right here, this 83 tops Otani, that would have been a $550 card if I had gotten it back two months ago. Uh, it's now about a $400 card, which is unfortunate, but that's okay. That bundle of Otanis I bought, the 2018 Bowmans I got. Yeah. I sent them to SGC, came back. Here's one of my tens. I got eight for 11 on tens nice. on those cards. Nice. Um, this was another one that was in that order that I thought was pretty cool. This is the uh, Mike Trout. This is just 2011 Bowman Mike Trout. It's a PSA 7, so not exactly a big card, but I love Mike Trout. I've had this card before. It's cool to get it graded. Um, I picked this up yesterday. Um, in a trade, I, tra I traded this, not this exact card, but it's this card away, uh, and I got one back, uh, the 20, uh, 2017 Donruss rated rookie Patrick Mahomes in the PSA nine, uh, traded out about $300 worth of value, but that was all my sticker price. So yeah. I'm really only into this for like 260. So I'm pretty happy about that. And then the next three cards you've all seen before, well, the last three cards you've all seen before, um, they're just now, uh, slabbed up and graded. So Kenny Pickett RPA that is, uh, graded a 9.5 from SGC. Oh, this is, I was surprised. I was expecting this to get an eight, Yeah. but it got a nine ten, and I was pumped nice. when I saw that grade. So that's numbered out of 25. And this one you recognize. Uh, again, I was probably expecting about an 8.5, but it created a 9. Here's the Lamar. Don't worry, it's in good hands. Um, but Lamar graded a 9, and I was I was pumped about that. Yeah, that was the Lamar that, that I uh, traded away to Mr. Murph in a mega deal that we had that was a lot of fun to do. I want to let everybody know that sitting right off of my screen here, are Diamondbacks galore. And as we get ready for the playoffs this week, I just want to shout I want to shout out here. So this, yeah, this is a this is a Bowman Pat Corbin signature on card of Mr. Corbin who came from Central New York, CNS, and then went on to the Diamondbacks. I have a bunch of Randy Johnson cards here as well. I have Anthony Banda. I have Marte. I have another Pat Corbin here for the Diamondbacks. I have a really nice insert here, a Roy's favorite of Anthony Banda, Refractor. I have... Um, Where's the Corbin Carroll? The Corbin Carrolls are actually... They're in safekeeping. They're in a very hidden part. So no, they'll they'll come out as well. But no, they're they're in a special place where they're by me all the time. Randy Johnson, and then here's here's the first Corbin Carroll rookie that I ever got, and I got this at GG Cards and Breaks, and I got it out out of there. There's a little bit of a ding on the bottom right corner, so it was a couple bucks, but it's his rookie card that I got here from Bowman. So I do have my Corbin Carroll sitting in the room with me. 
and these are right off camera. So shout out to my Diamondbacks that are always thing I got, I close by. Box yesterday, just as, as a school. This is the number to twelve Frank Gore um, Prism Draft Picks Auto in his Miami uniform. This is number two out of twelve. That's awesome. Um, not a big card by any means, but it was a cool card. I forgot I had it sitting on the desk here, so I figured I'd show that off before we got out of here. Yeah, so GG Cards and Breaks, seven days a week. Go and see him on 639 Delmar Place in Syracuse, New York, Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6, and on Sundays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Appreciate y'all. As always, Murph, I cannot thank you enough for the bonus time, and we're going to be getting into my conversation with the president of Alfred University, Mark Zupan, in his travels, and very excited to connect that back to baseball and to the Diamondbacks coming up right after this. Murph, as always, thank you so much, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Forward to it. We'll talk next week. Sure. And coming from Murph here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. DT and Murphy joining you for every single Monday broadcast to start off the week. We're going to take a quick step aside and come back with the president of Alfred University, Mark Zupan, right after this. In these unique times, there are those in our community that give us a sense of normalcy and positivity. Pizza Man on 50 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville has been here for you for over 35 years and is here now. Call 315-638-1234 or order online at pizzamanbville.com to bring those familiar tastes into your home. And remember to come see our monthly on-site broadcasts centered around the community and our Baldwinsville bees. Pizza Man in Baldwinsville. Any way you slice it, they are always here for you. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a if don't shop at Honda City. Our corporate purpose at Chick-fil-A is to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and to possibly influence all those who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And what became increasingly clear from our success at Cicero is that people love Chick-fil-A. And also, I think we recognize that you know, we had a great opportunity to grow the brand and grow our platform. I felt incredibly grateful when I was you know, selected to be a Chick-fil-A operator. I think what it's meant for me, what I've come to realize on a very deep level is that this is a calling for me. It's not a career. It's not a job. The Lord called me to be a Chick-fil-A operator and to use these restaurants to glorify him and to positively influence other people. I'm blessed. I'm very blessed. Head to Chick-fil-A Clay on 3974 State Route 31 in Liverpool, New York. Welcome here to 
to a very special edition of Presidential Perspective here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in our exclusive multimedia marketing partnership with the Alfred University Saxons. We are here bi-monthly with the president of Alfred University, Mark Zupan, who is connected with some very interesting things happening in the sports world as of today. So the shirt is fitting this, and we'll discuss that and so much more here on the broadcast as we connect once again with the leader of the Saxons. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing great. Had a wonderful weekend out in Arizona with my oldest son, Will. So I watched the D-backs uh, clinch their first uh, MLB berth, playoff berth, uh, since, I think, 2017. They didn't do it by winning, but they had a strong opponent, and uh, other teams lost, but it was still a very joyous occasion. And we lived out for seven years in the desert, and... Uh, 2001 against the Yankees, so we attended one of those games courtesy of some friends and fond memories. Yeah, and you just said that uh, you were able to go out there when they won the, or you were out there when they won the World Series, were able to get to the game and get to see one of the games within that series. What was that experience like? You know, for me being a Diamondbacks fan since day zero, I have to live through you on this one. We, we fell in love with them when we lived out there, and it was uh, right after 9-11, uh, the fear of the opening game, and Yankee Stadium, George Bush, the president, president throughout the first ball, but it provided a means for the nation to come together. People to see the T-backs instead win in a seventh and decisive game. We saw one of their wins at home, and it was just great to share that special moment with family. It's uh, some miraculous plays. Both both teams played well, but for an upstart, I always root for the underdogs, and for an upstart like the D-backs to pull it off was uh, it'll always remain a special memory and you said you know with your uh with your son living out there in arizona and you having spent uh, many years out there what are your fondest memories of the state of arizona he, uh, he actually now lives in san francisco oh, but he's he's in san francisco. Oh, okay. yeah we connected on friday for the friday night game and uh, it's a very entrepreneurial culture. Um, there's some challenges. Uh, the first time you go there and you see a sign across the river saying really to a river and then you look down and there's no water. Uh, this past summer I think they had 31 straight days of 110 degrees temperature so have to deal with some climate issues. But the hues, uh, the uh, terrific Mexican food, uh, we, on Saturday we, we visited our favorite uh, Mexican restaurant in South Tucson, Miratito, called my, uh, it's uh, Spanish for my nest. It's been in existence for 77 years. Uh, president Clinton, when he was president, visited, and we still had a star above where he sat in the restaurant. And the three entrees that he devoured that day <laughs> has quite a hearty appetite, but we had some great Mexican food while there. And the next day we were able to go to the Wildcats game. Uh, my youngest son, when I was dean of the business school at the University of Arizona, became a huge Wildcats fan in 1997, the year I joined. Lute Olson and his basketball team won the national championship. Uh, and a funny story, we uh, they were the underdogs. I think they beat three number one seeds in getting to that championship. We had made plans several weeks before thinking there's no way they'll make it to the finals with some donors at this prominent restaurant uh, to solicit a gift. And then the Cats kept winning. And we still didn't think, and they were called the Cardiac Cats that year, that they would make it to the to the finals. But lo and behold, they made it to the finals. And we called the donor and alum saying, you know, you probably want to reschedule this because we're in the finals. Turned out he hated basketball. And 
So we still went on with the dinner as planned. We were the only ones in the restaurant. And the only way we knew the cats won that night was to see uh, by the sounds that the kitchen staff were making in the kitchen. And then the fireworks going off um, uh, down in the central part of Tucson. We were up in the foothills. So that was a wonderful memory. My oldest son learned how to shoot free throws from Lou Olson, a legendary basketball coach there. Later on, he was able to connect with them. So we have a before and after picture with the 30 years in be- or the 25 years in between those two episodes. But just uh, every place has its own unique features, and we loved our time in, in the desert. A growing place. When you go to Phoenix, it's amazing the number of cranes. We saw the new TSMC facility, the Chip Fab in Chandler, Arizona. It's like a crane city out there. Intel is expanding. They have major chip production facilities. We were able to meet with some alums on Friday. So just a trip down memory lane. And wore my Alfred University colors to the, the Arizona basketball game at night on Saturday, and they were playing Washington, seventh-ranked team, of course, colors purple and gold. So I was a little bit worried going into the Arizona Stadium wearing purple, gold, butts, and red for also root for the University of Arizona and uh, have a photo on uh, on social media about wearing both colors, uh, both that, going from Alfred University to memories of U of A, flipping the letters in the two schools. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny how things are very poetic in that respect. And, you know, you made mention of the fact of the opportunity to have that dinner. And, you know, obviously you're, you're sitting here thinking, okay, they've advanced to the championship. Obviously the people here want to see it. And then you find out that this potential donor is like, no, I don't care at all. And then if I were you, I would have flipped back around and said, well, you know what? We rented out this restaurant all for you. Yeah, yeah, I wish I would have had the wisdom and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, ability to be quick-witted on my feet, but uh, that would have been a much better answer. So, well, I will, I will tell you this: as as different things happen in the sports world, connect with me beforehand, and I'll help you kind of PR move I these will, things. And I will take you up on that kind offer. So, <laughs> so not not everybody's as big into sports as you and I are. Yeah, no, and and like you said, I mean, this time around when you went out to uh, spend some time in Arizona. You made the most of it outside of the Diamondbacks game as well. I know there was a picture on social media of you know meeting with some alumni and, and connecting with this Alfred community. I mean, it truly goes coast to coast and even beyond that. Just what that means to you that when you go out on a trip and you know, you're going to a Diamondbacks game and no matter where you are, you have this opportunity to reach out to alumni, do something fun while you're there, it's. It seems like every time you're traveling somewhere, you're reaching out to people, letting them know that you still appreciate them in connection with Alfred University, while you're also kind of living a, a big kid life and going to games like the Diamondbacks game. Yeah, it's a, it's a great joy. Uh, we have close to 100 alums in the greater Phoenix area in the Valley of the Sun. And I was able uh, to connect with several of them, as, as you mentioned. One's a 2007 alumna, um, very talented individual. She's already started her own company, received a PhD from uh, from ASU in molecular science as an adjunct there, has several patents already on disposing of hazardous waste uh, with using her knowledge of material science and ceramic engineering. And then a couple who have been retired out there for at least 17 years. So she's a nursing grad of ours. And uh, he's a ceramic engineering grad, married 66 years, just completely in love by the way they uh, they 
communicate with each other, hold hands. Uh, they give me a ride uh, back to the airport so I could connect with my son. Uh, very kind of them. And uh, they both went off to the Peace Corps after he got a big retirement package at the age of 50 for IBM. So just committed to giving back. And they travel the world now with kids and grandkids, and but love the U of A, come back for a lot of the reunions, still exercise. I hope uh, I'm as active as they are when I hit 88. Uh, they walk every day. They're, they're part of our uh, sacks and racers that come in on bicycles to reunion uh, pretty much every year as of late. So great joy in that, you know, you find out what people have done with their lives with that Alfred University degree, how they've given back to their communities, how they've grown as individuals. And when you uh, when you have those meetings, it also opens up doors for current students like this alumna you know, lives in Chandler, teaches in Tempe at ASU. She needs interns for her company and also wants to come back to speak with our current engineering students and, and also our current members of the women's soccer team she played soccer for. So it's it's that connecting that's the fun one of the fun parts of my job. Yeah, you know, and like you said, you know, the, these connections that you have all throughout the country and that you can go across the country and, and find these Alfred University alumni and be able to just learn about their life, where they are, what they've done and, and how they've grown. For you, how rewarding is it to jump on the, the trail, so to speak, and to reach out? I mean, because some schools, you go in, they kind of care about you. Uh, kind of a very surface level until you graduate. And then once you're done, they're on to the next group. And, you know, they could care less because you're not physically there with them at that time. You're the opposite. You are reaching out to people that have graduated 20 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever it may be. Why is that so important to you to continue to re-engage the Saxons even after they're done? Uh, great question, Dan. By and large, the alums want to pay it forward and make the world better, not just directly, but for the next generation to follow. There's this wonderful giver's gain that comes from that. And but when you can make that connection, it makes their wishes that much easier to bring into reality. Uh, I love to travel. And so that adds to the allure of going out there. And then it's just fascinating the twists and turns people's lives have taken, some challenges, the adversity they've had to overcome. And that's instructive for the next generation too, because nobody's life will be without challenges. And so if you can provide that inspiration of how they've overcome the challenges, it makes it easier for the next generation to say, look, if they can do that, um, I can I can do that with whether it's uh, an assignment I currently.